as we uh, meet together tonight, you might like to just close your eyes for a minute and try to imagine that old Apostle Paul in prison. If you find that difficult to do, to imagine the cold, the dark, the damp cell, well, have a look at the screen, which might give you some inspiration. Because Paul in that cold, damp cell had been writing a letter to his young protege, Timothy, who was in the church at Ephesus. And uh, in this last paragraph that Paul had been writing, he'd been painting a very dark picture concerning the future. We saw last week, didn't we, how there will be false teachers and false prophets in the last days. And they will be within the church, within the believers. And they will lead the they will try to lead the believers away from Jesus and the true gospel. And if you were here with us last week, we finished off in verse 9 of our text by looking at these false teachers and prophets and that their folly was clear to all men. And as a result of this, Timothy, Paul writes, you may be encouraged. So we're on page 1196, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles. And last week, I did promise you that there would be some encouragements after last week. So we're going to have a look at the encouragements and the question of faith. So the first encouragement that we find is that uh, Paul is writing to Timothy uh, and he is encouraging him by witnessing to God's involvement in Paul's life. Paul writes in verse 10, You, however, know all about my teaching and my way of life, my purpose. And so what he's saying to Timothy is, you should be encouraged by looking at my life. Remember, Paul realises that his life is nearly over. He's an old man. He expects to die soon because of the persecution he is under from the Roman authorities. Now, what he's not trying to do is he's not trying to make himself more important. Paul isn't blowing his own trumpet or setting himself up to be more important than anyone else. But rather, he's trying to give encouragement to Timothy because Paul's life is a rich testimony to God's faithfulness. Paul mentions in these verses that we've got in front of us nine features of his life that Timothy should consider. Firstly, in verse 10, note the importance of teaching, of teaching. This is the first aspect of life. It's really important that Timothy remembers this. But this teaching, of course, must be linked to practical living. Otherwise, it just shows hypocrisy. And so he says, my way of life, which can be translated as general behaviour, which everyone will see who knows you. In other words, we are known by our actions and they must match our teaching. In this sentence, my purpose can be translated my chief aim in life. So Paul is saying, look at the way I have behaved. Look at what the chief aim of my life has been. And be encouraged, Timothy. Be encouraged. Because... 
God has been with me. Now the rest of what's given in verse 10, faith, patience, love, endurance, they're all characteristics, aren't they, of Christian virtues. And Paul's able to say to Timothy, look on these, be encouraged that God has enabled me to have these. And as I was thinking and praying about this, I wondered, well, isn't this a challenge to us? Can we look and see how God has worked through our lives so that others may be encouraged? Perhaps that should be an ongoing aim for us, that we identify where God is working in our lives and through our lives so that we can encourage one another. He carries on in verse 11 with the importance of God in his life. He refers back to the earlier periods of persecution when he was in the cities of Antioch, Iconian and Lystra. Yes, he was persecuted. But Timothy, you know that God delivered me from these actions. God was working in my situation. Be encouraged, Timothy. God does work in our lives, despite the reality of evil and evil people's actions. And we see this by the way that Paul extends his persecution to anyone else who wants to live a godly life in verses 12 and 13. He says, we must go through hardships if we want to follow Jesus. And the reason for this is that there will continue to be evil men and those imposters in the church, which we heard so much about last week. Now, there is some suggestion in these words that these imposters have magical arts, perhaps copying miracles that are done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And these imposters will seek to deceive followers of Jesus within the church, and they will deceive mankind. And in fact, Jesus warns his disciples when he was on earth that this would be the case, this would be the situation. We read in Matthew 5, verses 10 to 12, which comes within the Beatitudes. Jesus states, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 10, verse 22, we read, All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. If the master then is persecuted, so, so will his followers be. If you remember the saying, the birds have nests, the animals' places to live, but the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. Count the cost before you decide to follow me. So what Paul is doing here is he's pre-warning Timothy. This is the reality of life on earth for people who want to live godly lives. Now, of course, we have the benefit, don't we, of hindsight. We've got the benefit of years of Christian history. And we can see this in lots of examples and levels of persecution. From those that were killed to those that lose their freedom, those that are ostracised by family and friends. Perhaps they are politically, uh, pl uh, have political oppression brought to them. So perhaps the more pertinent question for us is, are we being persecuted today in our society? Are we being persecuted? Well, if we're not, is this because our lives don't challenge the society in which we live? Even in our very liberal society, where many types of lifestyles are allowed, there will be times when this may well happen. 
One example of this might be the stand we take, if we take the firm stand in our stance, for instance, concerning the meaning of marriage within our society and sexual behaviour as taught in the Bible. I think we may well receive some form of persecution if we stay the course faithful to what the Bible states concerning these issues. At the least, we will be branded narrow-minded and uh, not politically correct. We've seen other examples, haven't we, at work with it recently in the last couple of years or so, where people have been oppressed because they want to wear a sign like the cross or they're being truthful. So the issue of how we behave in our society may well bring us into persecution. And I think this is a really important issue for all of us, but particularly for young people as they leave home. Because as they start to develop their lives, they have to make their own decisions on what choices they make with regards to the way they live their life. You may well, for instance, have been brought up in a Christian home where Christian morality was taught and expected. But as you mature, perhaps you leave home for the first time to go to college or university. Well, how are we going to behave? What are the reasons for the decisions we make? Well, if we desire to live godly lives as instructed by Scripture and Jesus, there will be a cost to bear. So, be encouraged, Timothy. God was with Paul and he will be with you. But secondly, we see that Paul writes to Timothy about his personal history. His personal history. And he says to Timothy, stand firm. Look at verses 14 to 16. What he's saying here, Timothy, is to stand firm in your faith concerning the truth like a rock in a windswept sea. Timothy is saying, you are to abide in the teaching you have received. You have the advantage of having been taught the Holy Scriptures by your parents and your grandparents. Now, the Holy Scriptures here, of course, mean the writings of the Old Testament as used by the Jewish people. Look what Paul says about these Scriptures. He links them with salvation through faith in Jesus. He clearly shows the link between the Old Testament and Jesus. It's clearly made. Because there's a danger, isn't there, in our society that we only take the New Testament as important and isolate Jesus from the Old Testament. No, the Old Testament predicts the coming of the Messiah and the way of salvation through faith. Jesus, of course, does the same. We read in Luke 24, verse 22, Beginning with Moses, Jesus says, and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We also see in these verses, I think, the importance that Paul places upon family life and being taught scriptures by giving examples from a faithful family. And that should encourage us today, both as Christian parents and as a church, with our emphasis on teaching children and young people. There have been many examples here of families who have come to us simply because of the children and young people's work here. Well, if we need any encouragement as a church to maintain this, to expand it into our community in the northeast, we have it here. For here we see the beginning of this young leader's faithful life. Paul is stating, Timothy, 
You can stay, stand firm despite the persecution because of your upbringing. Not only can you stand firm, you are made wise in your understanding of salvation through faith in Jesus. Now this should encourage us if we're Christian parents. Because being a Christian parent is hard. You will be going against the norms and trends of our society if you seek to teach Christian values and scriptures within your home. For those of us in church who are not parents, we need to support in prayer and in practical way the work of parents. On a personal note, I can confirm here what Paul says because I was brought up in what would now be considered a very strict Christian home where the authority of the Bible and my father was unquestionable and had to be obeyed. As children, we had to sit uh, in uh, the morning meeting. Now, the morning meeting was in silence. There was no guitars, no band for us. We were given a piece of paper and a pencil, but that was all. And I have to say, and in the afternoon, I was sent to the crusader class where men taught us the word of God. Now, I have to say, as a result of this, I made a personal step of faith to believe in Jesus and the cross for my salvation at a very early age. However, further on as a teenager, I rebelled somewhat to this teaching and the practice of Christian life, but the thorough teaching remained and served to lead me through some quite difficult situations. But my faith in Jesus' death for me remained, and here I am now. The teaching we receive as young children and young people doesn't take us out of difficult situations or difficult questions. Many of them remain. And if there are any members of our home group here, they will witness to this fact that I've always got difficult questions. But it does provide a firm foundation for faith. And if we have that basis to our lives, we can be encouraged in this. And we can support and encourage those who teach our children and young people here. But of course, the teaching must match the behaviour or we will seem to be hypocritical. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, be encouraged, Timothy, by your upbringing. You had a faithful mother and a grandmother who brought you up in the knowledge of the Holy Scriptures. But thirdly, Timothy, be encouraged by Scripture itself. So we got here in verses 15 through to 17 a word about Scripture. Now, of course, verse 15 is a very famous verse within the evangelical community. You have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, again, as I say, I repeat myself, the Holy Scriptures here refer to the Old Testament writings that the Jewish people had. Note what it says. It says they are able... It's a continuous action. It's ongoing. It doesn't just apply to Timothy at his time. No, it continues, even in our age, which is why we should encourage each other to read and study it. And it's another right reason why we should encourage the use of Scripture within churches, but also to be read across the nation. You might be surprised to know that uh, when Jonathan and I were doing our lay readership, um, work uh, training 
There were people there who in their churches, the Bible was never even opened. Amazing, isn't it? Well, thankfully, that's not the case here. So, we've got to be thankful for that, and we should encourage the use of Scripture within churches. And it's a good reason for us to support agencies that promote this work. One example, of course, being the Gideons, who seek to place Bibles in hospitals, hotels, prisons, and schools. They need our support in prayer, in finance, and practical help. Our local Norwich branch would really appreciate help in this. Lewis Jarrett and Trevor Leggett, both members of our church, they were there involved in this work. Talk to them about it. Then in verse 16, we're given the value of this scripture because it comes from the creative God. It's God-breathed. The same Spirit of God that was a part of the creation process which came down upon Jesus, which God-breathed. God involved in the writing of these words for the purpose of salvation and for moral education. So it's really important. It's full of God. It's God-inspired. And the Scripture's power is that it's written not just for knowledge. It's not like doing an exam in physics or something. No, it's for practical instruction on how to live. And that's why it's so important that we understand it, that we give it time to work within our lives and we use it for the benefit of our society. Look at the way in verse 16 it's written. There are both positives and there are negatives in this statement. There's doctrine and there's practical living. Note how the teaching comes first. Paul writes, Timothy, this is really important that you carry on teaching the scriptures to the church at Ephesus. And so this should encourage us to support the teaching of scripture here at church locally, but also nationally, in small groups, but also within the home. The word rebuking, of course, means putting our actions right within the spotlight of what Scripture says. So if our actions don't match the teaching of Scripture, that's what's to be used to put us right, not just the opinion of someone else. And this should ensure moral stability and not the whims or fashions of the age. Because the Scripture contains encouragement to us, but also warnings. So we read that they are useful for correcting and training in righteousness. Now, of course, the image of training is that, 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 is that it will involve hard work. Think of the athlete, the sportsman. They train hard, don't they, to achieve their goal. Well, Scripture can help us to work hard at righteousness, being right with God, godly actions. And within these last few verses, we see something of the importance that the Apostle Paul places upon scripture within the community of God's people. Now he finishes in verse 17, which we didn't actually have read tonight, but we do need to just look at it. Look what he says. So that all that I have written, Timothy, is so that the man of God, that's you, Timothy, and all other teachers and leaders of God's people will be able, through equipment that comes from Scripture, to preach and do the pastoral work that you have been given. Now, in the NIV, the translation is, so that the men of God can do good works, equipped to live practically, 
doing what God wants us to do. So it's really important then, isn't it, that our leaders, our church leaders, know the scriptures and allow the scriptures to direct the way they live and work. This shows us the importance of biblical training and study. And we are fortunate in our country to have good theological training centres where this can happen. In other parts of the world, this isn't necessarily so. Some of you might remember Claude Scott, who was a member of our church some years ago. He went to the Congo and Rwanda, taking biblical study aids to help local pastors to know and understand the scriptures. And in January, I'm hoping to go back with him to Rwanda, where we hope to be able to help the church and the Bible leaders there in training and understanding of the scriptures. Another example of this, of course, is... uh, the work of Tony Smith, again, another ex-member of our, ch- of our church, who has gone out from this church to work in the Cameroon, translating the scriptures into local languages, thus enabling people to read their, the scripture for the first time. So Paul here then places great importance upon the leaders of the church, being godly men who know the scriptures and live by its instruction. Now, we as God's people can use this as a way of recognising those leaders who are God's chosen people for these positions of leadership. And we can see as to whether they are imposters or deceivers that Paul warns Timothy of. Of course, our leaders are human as we are, subject to the same temptations that we are. But we should ask the question that the scripture does. Do they hold and believe the teachings of Jesus and the apostles? Do they support the authority of Scripture and uphold the morality that it teaches? Of course, this means that we should love and support our leaders, holding them up in our prayers, because who would want to lead a people such as us? But it should be a real spur, shouldn't it, to us to pray, for instance, for our new archbishop, that he may continue to stand by the scriptures and not be afraid to tell the nation why God's word is the way of life and wisdom. So in conclusion then, chapter 3, what have we seen? We've seen Paul painting a dark picture concerning the state of affairs within the community of believers in the last day. Paul had warned Timothy of the dangers of false prophets and teachers who seek to lead believers astray. We may well identify aspects of this within our own age with this picture. But we've also seen the encouragement of seeing God's action in Paul's life, the encouragement from faithful family and upbringing, and finally, the encouragement obtained from faithful teaching of the Scriptures. I trust and I pray that we too will find some encouragement here, whether we've been brought up in a Christian family or have received faithful teaching from Scripture here or elsewhere, or from even from the fact that we live in a country where it's still possible to study Scripture freely. It may be a spur to you to consider how you can help in the spreading of the use of Scripture within our area or even further afield. Amen.